0: In the 70s, we had the running fad and jazzer size. In the 80s it was aerobic workouts and the carb craze. But today, wellness is more than just a fad. From our anti-aging obsession to the yoga boom, the wellness industry is on track to hit the trillion dollar mark worldwide. And now, There's a growing interest in how we can use our personal data to learn what's happening inside our bodies to improve our health.
1: This This is is Industry Interrupted. Industry Interrupted. Thank
2: you to Fidelity Investments,
0: the sponsor of this episode.
2: We live in a time of accelerating innovation. New technology is transforming our world and the investment landscape. Ask your financial advisor about Fidelity Investments or visit fidelityinnovators.ca.
0: Over the past few years, there's been a lot of research examining what's happening in our gut. Specifically, scientists have been examining the microbiome, the trillions of microorganisms that live inside us. What we've learned is that these tiny bugs can have a big impact on our health and even our mood. A Toronto startup called uBioDiscovery has created a kit so that you can learn about your bacterial composition from the comfort of your own home. Allie Birch is the co-founder and managing director of uBioDiscovery. I'll let her explain how it's done.
1: The million-dollar question. So it is a stool sample. It's, it's not as bad as it sounds. It's really just uh, all they really need is to sort of swap the toilet paper. Uh, it's a very small amount. You can get a ton of DNA from a very small sample. They send it in to us. They don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to actually handle it past that point, And they'll receive all of the results on our web platform about six weeks later.
0: So this goes a little bit further than those books that literally illustrate what does my poo tell you?
1: Yes, we are not, we don't care about the color or the consistency. We're really just looking at the bacteria that are in that sample.
0: So once you actually know, or once your organization knows what's happening in my body, what's the next step?
1: So based on the bacteria, we're looking at diversity of your microbiome. We're also looking at the abundance of different types of bacteria in your gut. Based on that and based on all of the scientific literature that's available, we can provide recommendations for foods to incorporate into your diet. Some of the things that we look at are bacteria associated with inflammation. So if there's a lot of that bacteria, we will tell you what foods to eat to sort of lower that bacteria. Or if there are a lot of bacteria that are known to, um, let's say, metabolize carbohydrates. If your goal is to lose weight, we might say, you know, you want to sort of eat more plant-based foods to kind of decrease those bacteria.
0: So it's generally the foods that are good for me, for exactly. the most Exactly, yeah. If I were to have a diet designed just for me, how would it improve my health?
1: So there are lots of different studies that actually link the microbiome to overall health. So if you just even go online and just look up what diseases are linked to the microbiome, you'll read about anxiety and depression. You'll read about asthma and allergies. Um, different gastrointestinal disorders such as irritable bowel syndrome, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease. All of these conditions are rooted in your gut microbiome. So improving your gut health actually has huge implications for your overall health as well.
0: So what about my mood then? Is there any evidence that a personalized diet can actually improve a person's mood?
1: Well, that's a very interesting topic. There's a lot of research on that right now. I'm sure you've heard a lot about serotonin, serotonin is a molecule that is responsible for so many different bodily functions, regulating anxiety and depression is one of those. Researchers say about 90% is actually made and stored in your GI tract, which is really interesting. So by actually, you know, making sure that your gut health is on track and you're really nourishing your whole GI tract, you are promoting your gut health and your mental health.
0: So do you think it's fair to say that food is almost controlling us from the insides of our bodies?
1: Oh, definitely. I think so.
0: So bacteria research obviously is a big deal at the moment, and it's getting interest from investors in the case of businesses like yours, and there's a lot of research money coming from the government. So Mm -hmm. what is it about this particular moment in time that is creating that type of environment?
1: I think it really has to do with a lot of the research that's been coming out lately, a lot of groundbreaking research since the beginning of the Human Microbiome Project back in 2007. Actually, there's a study that I was really interested in Uh, It was in mice. Now, this has been replicated in similar studies in humans, but what I thought was really interesting was they were able to sequence the uh, microbiome of different mice. So they were able to characterize an obese microbiome and a lean microbiome. What they then did was they implanted the microbiota into germ-free mice, so mice that are completely sterile with no microbiomes. And they found the mice that were implanted with the obese microbiome had significantly more fat deposits than the mice with the lean microbiome. And what they really discovered from this study was that there actually are bacteria that are able to harvest more energy from food in the form of calories. So for someone that's struggling with weight loss or obesity, that's something that you really want to look at. What are your proportions of that bacteria and what can you do to decrease those? So I think studies like that are really sort of piquing people's interest and thinking, what can I do with my microbiome?
0: So do you ever have people that argue with you about the science that think this is all a load of hooey and you're just pulling the wool over people's eyes? Like, how do you respond to that?
1: Yeah, and I think that, I would say microbiome science is still in the earlier stages. There is so much more that needs to be learned, Um, but it's not something that you can ignore and it can't hurt you. So the more you know, I think the better off you'll be. Probiotics are something that a lot of people are really, really big on. Some people don't believe in them. And actually something that we found um, is that diet has a way bigger influence on your microbiome than probiotics do. So originally we included probiotics in our kit because we wanted people to be able to see what was your microbiome before and after taking probiotics. However, what we've realized is that diet actually has a way bigger influence. So although probiotics are great for people, you know, suffering from severe gastrointestinal disorders, they may not work for everyone.
0: So based on your experiences, how big is the sort of personal wellness industry in Canada?
1: It's pretty big. We currently look for people who have gastrointestinal disorders or are looking or who have, you know, obesity or struggling to lose weight. And our new market is actually the naturopaths and the nutritionists because people are actually seeking out these people to help them with their conditions or their ailments so you know if we can actually work with these professionals who are already creating diet plans for people i think we can work together to create a really great product is how can we create a diet for someone actually based on their microbiome
0: so do you think there's a lot of veracity in taking cues from the past and applying them to the science that we now have at our disposal
1: yeah i definitely think so i mean even if you think back to chinese medicine and they say you know everything starts in the gut We totally believe that. And that's why our focus is really on the gut and people who are suffering from different conditions that are linked to the microbiome. We really do think that this can be an accessory to the treatment that they're getting. So if you're seeing a gastroenterologist, if you're seeing even if you're seeing a therapist, let's say for depression, we think that actually looking at your gut can really be the starting point for all of these conditions.
0: And do you think that technology is giving some validity now to the personal wellness industry?
1: Oh, definitely. Even if I think of the technology that we use, the next generation sequencing, it's developed drastically in the past, I would say even 20 years, just the actual um, techniques that you can use to determine the bacteria in a sample. It's incredible. It's advancing very quickly.
0: Okay, so then if we were to look, say, 10 or 20 years down the road, do you see this approach of personalized wellness becoming a norm for average Canadians?
1: Absolutely. Even if you think of the human genome, so we're not looking at the genome, we're looking at the microbiome. But I mean, they're creating now, I think it was $10,000 to sequence the human genome recently, and now they're creating the $1,000 and then the $1 human genome. So it's just getting more and more accessible to people. And I think that the less expensive it is and the more accessible more people are just sort of going to jump on board with that
0: and have you used your product yourself absolutely and so what have you learned about yourself
1: so it's really interesting because i try to do different dietary interventions all the time so sometimes i try to eliminate certain foods or add certain foods and i like to see what my how my microbiome changes in response to these changes and uh you really do see it like for example if there's you know a couple weeks where you're eating vegetarian you really can see it in your results if there's a week where you know you went, it was your birthday week and you ate lots of cake and lots of drinks. You really can see it in your microbiome, which is so so cool.
0: Okay, so that leads me to ask: What are some of the best foods I should be eating, and what are some of the worst foods I could be eating?
1: Okay, so to answer that, I think we'll start with the best. Diversity is actually my answer because so much there's all the research shows that diversity in your diet is actually linked to diversity in your microbiome. And that's what you want. You want a diverse microbiome. So you can be eating as much spinach as you want. And spinach is great, but you don't just want to eat spinach. You want to eat a diversity of vegetables, diversity of carbohydrates, diversity of protein, so that your body can actually uh, learn how to process all of these different foods. In terms of the worst foods, I would say it's still probably sh- the sugar, the processed sugars, refined carbs.
0: What happens if you receive a sample that appears to identify a potential eating disorder? How would you respond to that?
1: It's a really good question. I think that it would be difficult to identify just by looking at the microbiome that those results were due to an eating disorder. However, we would handle that pretty much the same as any microbiome that's out of balance. If we notice that there are certain bacteria that are higher than others, like such as bacteria related to inflammation, we would recommend anti-inflammatory foods and high-fiber foods. We actually have worked with a couple different colleges and universities to develop an algorithm that will recommend a diet for someone based on their results. So it looks for a few key markers and based on diversity is one of them, based on inflammatory markers, based on a lot of different factors, we would recommend foods. So just a very... Easy example would be somebody that has a lot of bacteria linked with inflammation. We would say, avoid these inflammatory foods, and we would list a lot of those foods that are processed. We would say, really try to increase the diversity of your foods. Add high fiber foods. We'll add a list of high fiber foods. You know, you can take bifidobacterium probiotics because you're lacking a lot of bifidobacterium. So it's really what we notice is missing in their microbiome, and we can provide foods for them, suggest foods for them that will be able to balance their microbiome out again.
0: Is it safe to say that bacteria is like a fingerprint unique to each of us?
1: Yes, definitely. There are trillions of bacteria in your body, many of those actually in your gut. And what many people don't know is that these bacteria play fundamental role in lots of different functions in your body, your immune function, your metabolism, your digestion, and even your mood on a day-to-day basis.
0: Ali Birch, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you so much. Ali Birch is the co founder and managing director of UBio Discovery in Toronto. In a moment, we'll move away from the gut and into your head and find out how the business of cannabis is finding its way into the wellness industry. But first, a word from our sponsor.
2: This podcast was made possible through the support of Fidelity Investments. For decades, they've been giving their clients a world of innovation by investing in companies that invent the future. Ask your financial advisor about Fidelity Investments or visit fidelityinnovators.ca.
0: The wellness industry has always been about helping people be more proactive about their physical and mental health. Now we're finding new ways to do that thanks to crowdsourcing data. One example is an app that allows cannabis users to track the physical and psychological effects that different strains of the drug have on them. Stephanie Karasik is the founder and chief patient advocate at StrainPrint. Stephanie,
2: how does this work? What it really is, is a very simple software that once you set yourself up as a a user on the system, it's going to ask you your age, uh, the symptoms and conditions that you suffer with, and the types of cannabis that you may already have. Once you're set up on the system, you are ready to track. So what we call tracking a session is basically you putting in your information before you consume cannabis, how bad your pain is on a standard pain scale from 1 to 10, and then you are putting in what strain you're using and which symptom you are treating, after that, you're going to get a prompt, a notification after 20 minutes or an hour, depending on your method of ingestion. And it's going to ask you how you're feeling, scale of one to 10. So we are collecting medical data in real time, essentially.
0: After scrolling through the app, I was surprised to see just how many strains of cannabis there are. Are these different types of strains actually all that different from each other?
2: You know, there are a lot of strains, as you say. There are currently in our system over 1,500 ACMPR strains. Those are the Health Canada approved strains that are sold by the licensed producers across the country. Now, are they drastically different from one strain to another? It's really hard to say, but I will say that there are vast differences. There are over 400 compounds in the cannabis plant and they all have varying degrees of, uh, of that compound in it. Uh, most common ones are THC and CBD, but there's all these other ones and we're learning about them and how they affect us and interact with our body's own endocannabinoid system.
0: This is purely for medicinal cannabis and not recreational. Is that correct?
2: So it started out and is primarily used as a medical uh, tracking tool, uh, a digital cannabis journal. We, of course, are very, very useful to a lot of people who are called adult use users or recreational users because, quite frankly, they might be patients in another uh, circumstance. Uh, or they might use our app simply for accountability to find out how much it is that they're consuming on a daily or weekly or monthly basis or whatever.
0: You're collecting a ton of data, presumably.
2: And- uh, yeah, a ton. We've uh, At this point right now, we have just around 800,000 track sessions, uh, which is basically what I just described from the user inputting their information before they medicate and, a- and how they feel after they medicate. And we have over 800,000 of those as of now, as of the time we're recording this, and that is going up incrementally by about 20% a month. So, so how do you track
0: lot. the accuracy of that data and what do you do with that data?
2: So that's a great question. We are fully compliant with all of the privacy regulations. So I can first and foremost tell you that everything is anonymized. So we make sure that we don't know who you who you specifically are. We just know what you're suffering with, how old you are, and what you're using to medicate with. And in terms of the other question you asked, which is actually a very important question, is how do we catch those outliers and make sure that that data is as clean as possible? That is something that we spend a great deal of time working on and creating algorithms to basically sort out and, and, and call out anything that is a little bit off with the data. So we can, the system will pick up, for example, people that are tracking maybe too frequently and it looks suspicious, so the system will pick that up and just dump the data. So it's constantly being cleansed.
0: You really have a technology company on your hands, but you started out in the world of marketing and advertising. So what got you into this business, and why did you create this app?
2: Yeah, so in 2014, I had just been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And it was a new diagnosis in the sense that I'd always suffered from depression, anxiety, and I'd, I'd always taken conventional medicines most of my life. And this doctor said, you know, I've been reading a lot of anecdotal stuff about soldiers and PTSD and cannabis. Just start reading about it. If you're interested you might be a good candidate to try it. And I was like, wow, I, I'd smoked it a bit in my 20s, but it never stuck. I never used cannabis at all in my 30s and throughout having kids. And there I was with two young girls and I was like, I'm gonna try cannabis and see what happens. And lo and behold, boom, it was a miracle. It's as if you know the clouds parted from my from my world and it was just sunshine every time I used it. And I knew that I'd found something that worked. Now the question was, what do I do? Because there's too many strains. I don't know how much of it to take. I don't know which ones work for me better. I found some strains were making me a little bit more energized and some would make me feel more sedated. Or how much of it to take. Sometimes I would take too much and not feel great. And sometimes I would take not enough. So you can see like there's so many different... Um, variables when you're using cannabis and there's really no way of keeping track of that except for what I did was write it down in a journal. So I kept this journal for a couple of years and throughout the course of writing all these things down it occurred to me that literally like I have tracking tools for everything. I mean, you know my steps, my weight, my menstrual cycle, like you name it there's a tracker for why is there not a tracker for somebody who's using cannabis as medicine and quite frankly, replacing other medicines with it. That seems kind of like, why wouldn't you have something that was helping you to sort of figure out what was working best for you and sharing that information with your doctor as well, which is exactly what we do with the app.
0: Can this app then be extended to other medications, do you think? Like, do you have any plans to do that? Or are there other implications for the health industry and also how patients track their health?
2: First of all, we are constantly evolving. That is one thing I will say. Like the company today looks completely different than it did a year ago and I assert that it will look completely different a year from now. So, we will be working with a lot of researchers on impacts with other medications such as opiates as you can imagine. This is a huge topic and we will be able to help study the interactions between cannabis and opiates and and those are the kinds of things we're interested in doing first and foremost before we get too far out of our realm.
0: There's a crowdsourcing element to this as well. Absolutely. So you're using that crowdsourced information to help people make decisions around their health. So how do you see that now being applied in other areas of personal wellness?
2: We always intended for this app to be uh, a personal experience because everybody does experience cannabis differently. So Now that we have all of this data from literally tens of thousands of Canadians across the country, it's really interesting to be able to look at that data and say, you know what, there's a lot of people that are having a lot of good results with this particular strain. Why? Let's find out why. What's in it? We have the uh, lab reports on on, on most of these ACMPR strains, so there's a lot of value in having the masses kind of providing data, quite honestly, like clinical trials, as you I'm sure are well aware, like these things are, they take years, millions of dollars. And we don't have the time for that right now. We we need to see what's working for people right now.
0: Are medical researchers then interested in this? Do Absolutely. see uh, applications for them to help kind of streamline some of those issues that they're having?
2: Absolutely. There are researchers and people who are interested in learning more about the science of cannabis and we have incredible data for anybody that sees it when they see it they're like wow we need to be sharing this with the world not just the odd researcher here and there we need to share this information so that we can help millions of people worldwide
0: i'm thinking about cheech and chong and harold and kumar and reefer madness right culture, North American culture in particular, has stigmatized cannabis in a very specific way. Of course. Clearly, that's not your outlook on cannabis. And I think when it comes to personal wellness, that's still a conversation that's very early going. Are you an advocate for cannabis, would you say? And if so, how can you use that marketing and advertising background to change perceptions that Canadians have about it?
2: Wow. Okay. Well, that's a lot. But I would say, first of all, you're right. That stigma is not as diminished as as I would hope, having been in the industry now for about three years. And I believe that just conversations like this with uh, national publications such as the Globe and Mail, these are the kinds of conversations that we need to be having now because guess what? I am the face of cannabis. I am one of millions of people worldwide that does not sit on a couch and rip from a bong or whatever these people do. I, I've never done that. I never can likely will do that. And I have no problem with it. So if that works for you, that's great. I don't judge that. I just use it as a medicine and I see the applications for cannabis as a medicine. I should say also that I grew up, my dad was a pharmacist. And so I grew up literally behind the counter of a pharmacy and, and really understanding and believing that if you're treating something like medicine, it's got to be taken seriously and to be able to share your medical results with physicians. And this is this is the bent that I'm taking from it. Um, and, And I think that what will happen as a result of the data that we're collecting will help inform people who are using it recreationally as well. That's the goal.
0: Do you think that technology is going to change the conversation around wellness and make people take it a little bit more seriously than they have in the past, where things like self-help books were one of those things that you bought, but you didn't leave it on your coffee table? You kind of hid it under your pillow? Yeah,
2: I remember those days, right. Um, You know, technology is is there to help us if we want it. And we've printed up T-shirts that say mindfully medicated. And the idea being, essentially, having this tool – is there to help you be more mindful about what it is that you're doing. So I think to answer your question about technology, if you want to use it to help your personal well-being, there are many great applications for you to use that can help you know determine your optimal level of health. And I think we are one of those tools.
0: Stephanie Karasek, thank you very much for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Stephanie Karasik is founder and chief patient advocate at StrainPrint. A lot of people who use cannabis say it's helping them manage their pain. Now that it's been legalized in Canada, it'll be interesting to see how attitudes change over time. Speaking of legal, on the next episode of Industry Interrupted, we meet two Canadian lawyers who are changing the way law is practiced thanks to new technology. I think this is just the beginning of what's going to happen more broadly with the advent of of AI and machine learning in the law. So it's really great news for access to justice. Thank you to Fidelity Investments, the sponsor of this episode. Industry Interrupted is produced by Laura Regehr, Anne Lang, Guy Dixon, and Stephanie Chan. If you like what you heard, you can rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Get in touch with us at podcasts at globeandmail.com. I'm Sean Stanley.